Look with me at Romans 2, verse 4, where it says, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so we bring together some of those truths we've seen earlier. God is righteous. We see the wrath of God in verse 5. But here in verse 4 now, we see what we haven't seen yet. We've seen God is a righteous judge. We see in this verse, God is rich in kindness. Some of your translations in verse 4 may have the word goodness, the goodness of God instead of kindness. And there's more than one word that can speak of his, his goodness, but this is different than the, the usual word for good, like in Romans 8.28, God causes all things to work together for good. That's a different word in the original language. This is a word that emphasizes goodness in kindness or gentleness. This is the word that we saw in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Same word. We could say God's love is kind. And that's the main attribute, kindness, gentleness, and really forbearance in verse 4, and patience. I see that as part of God's kindness in action. God's goodness or kindness is, is the bigger category. And then one of the ways he shows that is he is forbearing and he is patient. But in, at the end of verse 4, after he mentions all of that, he comes back to say it's his kindness that's meant to lead us to repentance. So his kindness is the big idea of this Verse and the main subject, and, and God shows his kindness by being forbearing and patient. Romans 2 4 says, Do you think lightly, this is one translation, of the riches of his kindness and his patience? Or another translation says, Do you show contempt for his kindness? Or another one says, How wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is. Does this mean nothing to you? See, that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin. And it's our sin that is being addressed by this truth of God's kindness. And in fact, our sin, at the root, part of it is that we lack this goodness, this kindness. In fact, look at Romans 3, verse 12, when he begins to talk about our sin problem. Romans 3.12, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good or you could say kindness, same word from chapter 2. No one does good or kindness, not even one. That's the problem. We are not this by nature. We are not good. We are not kind by nature and by God's standard. And we need God's kindness to lead us to repent of our lack of kindness and lack of goodness. And remember, this flows into his kindness, into forbearance and patience. So look at chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance, there's that word forbearance, he had passed over former sins. That's the same word, forbearance, from chapter 2, verse 4. He's forbearing sins 
That's his nature. That's one way he shows his kindness. He is forbearing of sin. He is, it can be translated, his restraint. He is incredibly gracious in how he delays his wrath. Did you ever think about that? How God holds back what's deserved. He delays it for a time to give time to repent. Peter talks about this, his, his long-suffering. That's another word for his patience. Don't presume on that kindness. It's amazing grace that we are still breathing. You ever think about that? That's, that's amazing when you realize what sin is to God and the fact that we are sitting here and that we are living and breathing and there are billions of people on this planet, many of whom are defying God this very day who he is allowing them to take their next breath. Charles Wesley wrote, Depth of mercy. Can there be mercy still reserved for me? Can my God his wrath forbear? Me, the chief of sinners, spare. I have long withstood his grace, long provoked him to his face. But there for me the Savior stands. He shows his wounds and he spreads his hands. Now incline me to repent. Let me now my sins lament. He understood this concept that it's God's kindness and forbearance that should lead us to repent and to run to the open arms of the Savior, the gracious Savior who is extending His undeserved favor even right now to this world, patiently, graciously calling sinners today. Look at chapter 9, verse 22, where he uses that word patience again, these same words from our text, Romans nine twenty-two. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, those are two of his attributes we've seen, but here he says, he has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. Those are... Those are the words from Romans 2, 4, riches and patience. That's part of his kindness, part of his mercy that he shows before bringing wrath. Even on those who receive his wrath, he is incredibly, there's much patience. So don't think lightly of those riches, of his kindness and patience. Don't presume. We don't know how, how long he will be gracious. Don't presume on that. Look at Romans 11, verse 22, where God calls us to, to look at his kindness. Romans eleven twenty-two. 22, note, that means take note, notice this, note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. His kindness towards you, provided you continue in that. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Again, he keeps coming back to this message. Don't presume on it. Don't despise it. Don't think lightly of it. There is actually judgment. This is Paul's application to this concept of kindness in Romans. Consider, this is how the NIV says it, consider the kindness and the sternness of God. We need to consider those together one in light of the other, the New American Standard, behold the kindness 
of God. That's where Paul's going in the book of Romans, and so that's where we're going here today. Behold the kindness of God. And in our outline, there will be three areas in the book where we will see and can behold God's kindness. The first is in common grace. Behold God's kindness and common grace, and then also in Christ and his church. And then thirdly, in calling to repentance. And all three of these I have seen the Lord doing even this very year and even in this very time. Behold your God. Behold your God's kindness, number one, in common grace. And what I mean by common grace is it's common to believer and unbeliever alike. It's it's his grace that he shows to the saved and the unsaved. In fact, in the context of where we started the series in chapter 1, he talks about how God's divine nature has been seen in creation. Part of what makes people without excuse is he, is, he has showed us his, his nature, and there's things that can be made known to him through creation. And part of it is how, how kind he is. He, the Psalms say he is kind in all that he has made. And here's what Paul, the one who's writing Romans, said to unbelievers in Acts 14, 15, the living God who made heaven and earth has shown kindness in giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. He's, he's shown kindness to you, he says to these unbelievers. Don't you see that in the rain and the food and the land that he has provided? And we who live in this land here, we have abundant reasons, as much or more than anyone in human history, to, to see God's kindness, how he's shed his grace on our land. Jesus said this, that God, even to his enemies, is this way. Jesus said, God the Father is kind to the ungrateful and evil. And he said this, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He does that every day. He causes the, the sun to rise and to set the, the rain to come on both believer and unbeliever alike. So don't think lightly of that very kindness that he shows. His very faithfulness that he's shown us as you look around outside. His kindness is on display. His glory, his attributes are on display. And not just the fact that the sun rose this morning, but the fact that you were able to rise out of bed this morning is by God's common grace. Many people were not able to do that today. You were able to do that today by God's common grace. And many people who don't care for God at all were able to have health today and rise today because of his grace. He sends his showers of blessings on our land that, that deserves his fire of judgment, according to Scripture. But he is patient. There is restraint that he continues to show till he comes again. That's all part of his kindness and his common grace. That word grace means undeserved kindness or favor. Undeserved kindness or favor. There are a million ways in which he shows that every day to even those who don't believe in him. I want you to turn to Romans 13. And one of the ways that God's common grace is shown to a sinful world is through civil servants. 
that govern and restrain evil as they protect and serve. This is where he goes in chapter 13 to tell them, don't resist those authorities like many in America do with law enforcement in particular. God has actually appointed them. This is the language. He's appointed them, and this is part of his kindness, a great kindness. And we have some of the greatest in the world Romans 13, verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to do good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Look at verse 4. For he, this is this authority, is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God. He says it again. He's the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. These are the real avengers. These are the real heroes, if you want to use that expression. Those who serve in this way, to bear the sword, speaks of a deadly weapon. The police authorities, as well as the criminal justice of our world, are part of God's servants for our good. Our world often doesn't think or speak in these terms, but this is part of God's goodness and part of his restraint of badness in society. And it should lead wrongdoers to repentance. Even unsaved officers, as they protect and serve, are, according to verse 4, God's servant for your good, for the good of society. That word servant is actually the same word translated deacon or minister. They serve by God's appointment. And the end of verse 7 says, We're to give respect and honor to all to whom it's due. Also in verse 8, and I have had this truth impressed on me like never before. I have seen God's kindness on display in our police like never before these last two weeks. And it's good for us to reflect on these things, on January 21st, as a number of us men from the church showed up as friends of our fallen brother, these wonderful officers there were very kind in ushering us in to be with the family. There were so many kind officers there, and the family was kind in inviting us to be a part of that procession from there, incredibly moving to see the kindness, the honor, the respect that that community shows, that that community deserves and is often not shown by the world. There was such a kind man, a fire chief, who gave several of us a ride to be a part of that procession. And just his kindness and God's common grace was shown, and we were able to speak with him of of God's grace and, and the hope of the gospel that we had, and we uh, continued to be in touch with him. In fact, he came here to our church on Wednesday. There was a CBS news reporter that Saturday evening, as many of you know, who was very 
kind in getting Ty's faith and message out there in ways that I've never seen in print on any major media ever. His words about the, the gospel and even linking to his testimony that now so many have seen that, that Sunday morning. Ty's sergeant was kind enough with his family to be here. Some of you had a chance to, to greet them as they sat here and, or greet them on Wednesday and talk with him. Monday at the funeral planning meeting with SAC PD and Elk Grove PD were some of the kindest and gentlest people I've ever had a chance to work with and interact as they served in that way. And in fact, one in particular who reached out to me afterwards, I talked with this person and, I, and this person expressed their faith and their assurance and how it takes away the sting of death and know where he is and because of his faith and hope in the gospel. And I told this person, I, I thought you might be a Christian because of how kind, how kind you were. I had that thought while I was t- talking, seeing God's kindness. Monday night, Fox News was also kind enough to come out to put his faith on display. Tuesday morning, about 40 of you from the church were there to show support to one of the processions with your kids and families. Uh, Tuesday night, God's kindness was on display big time as our men's group gathered. Wednesday, I found out they had extended to me a kind invitation to speak at the the funeral, and then the next day, they, they also asked if a church friend of his would speak, and that was Jason Hill, as you know. That, that's all just in one week, as I was just meditating on God's kindness. And at that funeral rehearsal, the police chief, I just wanted to just try to greet him and let him know we were praying for them, and we were so sorry for their loss, which has hit their department incredibly Hard and he saw me and he said, oh, I've been wanting to talk to you. And he pulled me aside privately and he just shared with me some of what he shared is private, but just some of the kindest words I've ever heard and just seeing God's kindness through him. And he said, I've been praying for you guys. I saw on, on the news what you and his friends did. I, I, I saw Ty's testimony and I've seen all that and I just want you to know we're, I'm praying for you guys as well. God's kindness on display. And, and the, the honor, if you've ever been a part of those services, and respect was incredible, and it was emotional, and it struck me. And, and I, I, it's important for all of us to know we need to be more aware and more in prayer for those Romans 13 people who protect and serve. We need to be praying for them in these days ahead God's common grace was all over the place, and, and his amazing grace was being played by bagpipes, and his gospel grace was sung, and it was spoken to thousands of officers there, and who knows how many watching on TV, and the, and the TV left the whole thing on. I don't think they broke away for a commercial at all, even when a preacher started talking about sin and repentance and wrath, and that there's only one gospel in Christ alone. As my brother Jason stood up there and spoke, I thought, what a, what a, in his kind words, his sweet words, the Lord is so kind. More than one officer went public talking about our Lord and Savior, and a number talked to me privately as well. Um, What 
kindness, I thought. But here's what Romans would have us to also think about that. May that, and let's pray that that kindness would lead more to the Savior. Let's continue to pray and, and look for opportunities and seek to have opportunities where we can lead conversations to the Savior. But we need to behold God's kindness in his common grace. But that takes us to number two. Behold God's kindness in Christ and his church. Because his kindness in a special way is to be shown in Christ and his church. His common grace is all around us. We need to see that, but we need to especially see the kindness of God in Christ. Just think about Christ in the Gospels as, as he goes around. He was kind to all kinds of people, like a, like a leper who is crying out, Master, deal kindly with us. They were, they were kept away from society, but they're going and begging, would you deal kindly with us? No one else was dealing kindly, but they sensed that this son of David, Jesus, could deal kindly with them. And there's this blind man who, who says the, the same very thing, deal kindly with us. He, he begs him, and, and the, the father of a suicidal, tormented son comes, and he, and he pleads with him, would you deal kindly with my son? And the man who was healed of a legion of demons told Jesus, or Jesus told him to go tell your friends, tell your friends as I have healed you how great the things are that the Lord did to you and how he dealt kindly with you. We need to tell others how God has been kind. It's easy for us to, to complain about things that we see in this world. We need to be looking for and speaking about his kindness towards us in this world. And so the, the first application I would give for this part is we need to pray in light of the Lord's kindness. Pray in light of the Lord's kindness. And I'll give you some scriptures here that you can write down, but let me read them for you. Psalm 109, 21, Lord, deal kindly with me for your namesake, because your loving kindness is Good. This is what we can appeal to about God. For I am afflicted and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. My knees are weak. Help me, O oh Lord my God. Save me according to your loving kindness. This was what, what moved the, some of the writers of the Psalms to, to pray, to appeal to this attribute of God. If you ever feel a wounded heart... If you ever feel weak in your knees, if you ever feel afflicted, if you ever feel like you need deliverance from what you are going through, cry out to God according to his loving kindness. It's good. He is good. And appeal to that, to pray to him, to deal kindly with you for his namesake. Not even just for your sake. Ask him to do it for the sake of his name because he loves to put his name on display. Psalm 119.76 I pray that your merciful kindness be for my comfort. And Psalm 31.21 Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness. I think that's the Old Testament equivalent of the riches of his kindness. It's marvelous. There's a, there's a wealth, there's a riches, there's an abundance. There's an everlasting kindness he lavished on us, one of the songs we sing says. And so pray in light of his kindness. And then the second application, display his kindness as the church. So as we think of Christ and his kindness, we need to also 
be the kind of person who shows his kindness. So if you're still in Romans, Romans 11.22 says, Behold God's kindness. Romans 12, verse 10, I like the New King James wording, Be kindly affectionate to one another. And look at verse 12. Be rejoicing in hope, patient. There's that word patient from God is kind, patient, and forbearing. Be patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. And here's what that can look like, distributing to the needs of the saints. When people here in your church, when you hear about a need, a need for prayer, a need that you can meet, contributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, ways that you can use your home and use your life to open up and to bring people in. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We talked about in our leadership meeting Friday morning how even Jesus wept. And before he wept, there was an insinuation from both what Mary and Martha said. Lord, do you care? Did, don't you care? Wouldn't you have come here earlier if, if you had cared? Couldn't you have done something about Lazarus dying? This is when it says Jesus wept. And then it says the people said, see how much he loved him. His love was on display as he wept. There was question about timing and how he got there. Of course, Jesus was working all this for his purpose. But there was no question as he was there with them. He came to be with them. He wept with them. And Jesus wept. It's good for us to, to weep and to weep with and grieve with those who, who mourn and to be with them long beyond that time. Romans 2.4 says, Don't presume the Lord's kindness, the Lord's patience, the Lord's long-suffering, the Lord's forbearance. Romans 12 is telling us, practice the Lord's kindness. One of the ways we don't neglect that is that we are seeking to live it out. In fact, even the very words, be kind, be patient, listen to Colossians 3.12, put on kindness and long-suffering or patience, forbearing one another and forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. All those same words from Romans 2 verse 4, we're to be putting that on. In Ephesians 4, commands with long-suffering or patience, forbearing one another in love, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving. Part of that whole process of, of kindness is being able to forgive and release rather than resent the evils that we see. And the point of all that is if the Lord's kindness leads to repentance, that his kindness through repentant people can also be what he uses to draw people to himself. In fact, in the early church, one of the nicknames they gave to the Christians, it was kind of a play on words, was the kind ones. This, this word for kindness and Christian was so close that that was actually one of the the nicknames that even those who weren't believers spoke of them as they were known for being the kind ones. Is that something we would be known for by unbelievers in our world, the kind ones? Here's what Augustine in the early church wrote in his confessions. He spoke about a man named Ambrose who was a, 
a powerful preacher, very eloquent, but what moved him was not his speeches, it was actually his kindness. Here's what he writes in his confessions. He received me like a father, and he expressed pleasure at my coming with a kindness most fitting. I began to like him at first, indeed, not as a teacher of the truth, for I had absolutely no confidence in your church. He says, but I, I began to like him as a human being who was kind to me. He had no confidence in the church at that point, but this man was kind and made an impression, and that's often an avenue through which God can use us to reach others. I think we all or not all, but many of us know Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I think a lot less of us know verse 14 right after it. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. So yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. That's talking about contentment in the most difficult times. It's not talking about winning a, a, a ball game or anything like that. He's talking about I can be content. I can, through all, I can endure anything through Christ. But he says, but it was, it was kind of you. I needed that for you to share my trouble with me. One of our brothers here asked if, they, if I would share for them today. This is James Janowick, who last weekend was in the ER, and, and some of you know he felt on more than one occasion that he was about to die. It was very serious. Breathing issues, blood clot concerns, all kinds of things. There were many in prayer. Uh, many were shared in his trouble, and uh, he wants you to know he is recovering now. Hopes he can be back with us next week, but he asked if I would read this to thank you. This was his text to me, to thank the church for their kindness. He said, So many people in our body showed great care and concern, reaching out with kindness and assistance in my time of need. He wanted you to know he is so thankful for your kindness, and he is praising God for all of you. And even before I got that note from him, I was just thinking about some of the people among us who have gone through difficulty, especially this last year. And rather than go all over Scripture, all through books, to try to find illustrations of God's kindness, I just reached out to some of them and asked, could you help me? These are people who were on my heart as we've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, much as a church. We have several among us who last year lost a sister, a brother, a brother-in-law, an uncle, a parent. Many died from old age, but some were in very sudden and tragic circumstances, especially since last summer. January 2021 to January 2022, there are a dozen among us who became widows or widowers from January of last year to January of this year. That 12 in our congregation have lost their spouse in, the, in a span of 12 and a half months and several in the last three months. So Jessica, Jerry Ahrens, Sonia Flieger, Bonnie Bosich, and Merle Jones. And in the months prior, Francis Owen, Ron Fultz, Kathy Griffin, Louise Freeman, Laura Lee Baxter, Dale Cundall, 
and Carol White have lost their life partner who they lived with for decades, and, and many of them now live more alone in their family home. And so how does this doctrine that God is good, that God is kind, how does that work in the harshness of life? Is the kindness of the Lord still seen? Is, is God still kind in the hardest of times? That's what I asked them. Because Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, but what about this last year? So I asked them if they'd be willing to share an example of how God's kindness had been shown or ways, and this is good for us to, to hear, to think about ways that someone else had been kind or is continuing to be kind that were especially helpful. Here's what Ron wrote. To how have you seen God's kindness in this very difficult last year? I've been thinking about how easy it is to teach and to say the Lord is good always, and he is. But what about when the Lord may take away my life? That's the gap that I find myself struggling with, and he shared with us last week, even in the midst of his very serious cancer battle, even if things aren't getting better, his body is not well. He said, in Christ, I can say, it is well with my soul. And I had the blessing of talking with our brother on the phone about this word kindness and the word chesed, the Old Testament word that it comes from, and how sometimes we just, we don't think enough of, we think lightly of this kindness, but how profound and powerful it is to meditate on God's kindness and to see it in our life. Dale shared this, the kindness of Jim and Carol to me was wonderful and amazing. They were only a call away and so often just came to visit and show their love for us. He regularly called and invited me to go to lunch with him and often with others that he also knew were my friends. The love and kindness of so many friends at the church was also very special and so needed. I am so thankful to God and to so many longtime friends at the church. Merle shared, the Lord was very kind to me. Shortly after Norm passed away, his retirement income stopped. I guess that's happened to others. It takes a while for them to restart it. One friend of hers, it took quite a while to get that income coming back in. But the Lord very kindly, in my case, got it started right away, just in time. One of the things that helped me from the beginning was a woman here at Gold Country. I could not cry. She spoke of a sense of relief. She, he was free from his disease, but that... Not being able to cry more bothered me. She says, my friend here reminded me that I had been grieving for a year already as Norm's health failed. That was very comforting, especially because I knew where he was going and that he is at peace. And also a woman from our church gave me a little bear. There's a ring in its paw that has Bible verses with my name written in every one of them. She put my name in every verse. So that it applied to me personally, she says. I would, I would read those verses, those promises regularly. Everyone has been so kind, she says. Many at Gold Country have been through this and remind me that it will get better. Francis 
shared. I actually didn't know. I, th- I thought maybe I'd just get a few sentences, but there's, there's more. Francis wrote, I'm so thankful for my church family. Some have brought meals. Some have called to check on me regularly and even prayed with me on the phone. My Sunday school class and Bonnie's Bible study class have prayed for me and encouraged me. Some have even invited me out to lunch, which was very helpful. A deacon visited me and asked if there was anything I needed. I have a hard time accepting help, but I appreciate it. One member even offered to come every week and take my garbage can down the hill. That turned out not to be necessary as she had others helping with that, but they came over and shared a meal, and she got to share her Charlie stories with the children, which she had done for so many years here. Very difficult to lose the wonderful man who has been so much a part of my life for 68 years. But it has been nice to be able to fellowship with so many others in our church who have been through the same thing this year and recent years. Thank you, church family. With a thankful heart, Francis Owen. And even as I read those things, I would remind you, those aren't just things for the first few weeks. Those are things that we need to think about as well. Another member wrote this, I'm keeping a list of ways God's kindness has been shown. My neighbors taking and picking up garbage cans, people offering to do grocery shopping for me, having me to their homes and texting every few days, sometimes offering help, something they've read, something to share, even things from their garden, received several letters from my spouse's friends telling me gracious things, friends inviting me to their home for a a week, and single persons and families inviting me to their home for a meal, all such a huge blessing. The grief is a hard one because everyone does it differently. Another person wrote of God's kindness. I was wanting to be in the sunshine and hear the birds sing. I had no heavy feelings. I thought something was wrong with me, that I should be sad and crying and grieving. And a dear friend and mentor lost her husband in a similar way a few years ago and I shared with her what I was and wasn't feeling and she experienced the same thing and also explained that I had been losing my spouse bit by bit for five years a long and slow grieving process so when he was with Jesus my grieving process was complete aside from trying to figure out who I am and what I'm supposed to do I think that's a common thing figuring out who you are now and and what you're supposed to be doing. I broke down in tears and thanked her for sharing that with me, and I again thanked my Heavenly Father. And then the last one who lost a spouse in 2021. I was taken by surprise at some of the mundane daily things that became very difficult now that it was just me in my daily life. Going to the grocery store, for example, was something I always kind of enjoyed, but it had turned into a task of dread and sadness, so I just stopped going. I couldn't make decisions at the store for myself, and if I did go, I'd usually just leave before making it through the store before anyone saw me cry. One day, a friend knocked on my door and had several bags of groceries. I didn't even recognize it as a need until I went through those bags like it was Christmas. I cried over every item and thanked God for such a sweet act of kindness. And and then as... The weeks went on, they would call me and say, Hey, we're at Trader Joe's. Do you need anything? We're bringing you something, so don't say nothing. (laughs) I'll never forget that and how it helped me through my struggle. Another one 
the last one, wedding anniversaries are not usually dates that anyone but you or your spouse anticipate. I tried not to think about ours much or try and come up with some way to get through it as the date approached. This is about six weeks ago. A couple days before the anniversary date, I got a sweet card acknowledging my anniversary and reminding me I am not alone from someone who I barely had been getting to know and, and never would have expected to know this date. This person says, I should probably sit down and write out all the ways that God has been kind to me and thank God over and over. Thank you for caring. I, I think that's good for all of us to, to take time to, to consider, to take note of, to behold the kindness of God and also to take note of ways we can show that kindness to others. Behold the kindness of God in Christ and his church. But thirdly and finally, we need to behold God's kindness. And this needs to be our prayer through all things in our lives. Behold God's kindness in calling to repentance. Romans 2.4 says, don't presume on the rich of his Riches of his kindness. Don't think lightly on the weight and the wealth of how unbelievably kind he is. That should move us to repent, to turn from our sin, to trust in this kind Savior whose arms are open to us, who calls those who are weary and heavy laden to come to him, and he will give them rest to take his yoke upon you, his burden, his light, to trust his death and his life for your sin, his risen life for you, where he is now standing and he's calling those to come to him. The Bible says, rend your heart, turn back unto your God, for gracious and merciful is he slow to anger and abundant in kindness. Over a hundred times he's it's spoken of his loving kindness, how great, how abundant it is. That was from Joel 2.13. We heard read from Ephesians 2 earlier. How even as we were, those who were storing up wrath because we had stubborn, unrepentant, hard hearts that were resisting his kindness. We were dead in our sins. We were living like the rest of the world. But it says, but God but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our sins. He made us alive together with Christ so that by grace we're saved. And it says he raised us up with him and he seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Here it is. So that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's why he saved us. That's why he, he takes us who are dead in our sins and he saves us by grace through faith, not of works, but he does all of that so that for the ages to come, he's going to be showing us the immeasurable riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So think of that kindness. Think of that kindness to Peter when he had denied the Lord, how the Lord kindly comes to him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he so kindly calls him over and says, Peter, do you love me three times? And he says, take care of my church. He's so kind and so tender. He, he makes breakfast. He serves these disciples who would all 
abandoned him. And I can only imagine Peter as he then restores him and then gives him such a, such a role in his church. Peter, as he thinks back on those times and, and he, even that food that he had tasted there and seen what the Lord has done, Peter would write this later, that we grow in the Lord if indeed we have tasted that the Lord is kind or good. Same word from here. Peter tasted the kindness and the goodness of the Lord. Don't despise his kindness. Don't despise the fact that he's kind. I could remember a, a, a teacher when I was growing up who was just such a kind man, but it wasn't like God, both kind and, and stern, kindness and severity. All you could behold about him was just he was so nice, but he was a real pushover, and he had kind of a, a, a weak-sounding voice, and he would always say, now, come on, guys, now, don't do that, guys, now, come on, guys, and, and we, honestly, as, as young people, we, we just, we kind of despised him because he was, he was weak in his kindness, but God is not kind in that way. God is also stern. God has wrath as well as kindness. Don't despise the fact that he has delayed the consequences that, in his case, will come. Don't think of God's kindness like that. Think of God's kindness leading to repentance like Naomi, who in the story of Ruth in the Old Testament was a bitter woman. And as she's going back into Bethlehem, she tells Ruth, you're going to need to go back to Moab to find kindness. That's the way she speaks. Go back that you can find kindness from the Lord in your own people there in Gentile Moab, but they come back to Bethlehem and this man named Boaz who knew the, the kindness, the chesed, the loving kindness of the Lord, he shows, and the language is he spoke kindly to me. That's what Ruth goes and tells Naomi. This man spoke kindly to me and Naomi now is changing from her bitterness and she says, oh, the Lord has not stopped showing kindness to us. May he be blessed of the Lord. And the Lord, through that kindness, transformed her, drew her back. She turned back to the Lord. Or we can think of the story of the prodigal son. We know that story of the son who would despise the kindness of his father. And even the, the riches of his father, he treated them lightly and he spent them freely, wasted them on a, on a profligate and prodigal life. But then... What drew him back, what led him to turn back and to come back as he was reminded as he's there working with the pigs, he's reminded, my father is a kind man. He is kind to his servants and to his slaves. Maybe if I go back and beg him for mercy, he would let me be one of his slaves so I could at least eat better than I am eating these husks that are falling from the mouths of these pigs. And so it was the kindness of of the father that drew him back. And you know that story. If you do, he's coming back and the father sees him and the father runs to him. The father rushes to him. The father embraces him and brings him back and he gives him the riches of a robe and a ring and a feast like he had never seen before. He's showing undeserved kindness to that son. Undeserved kindness that would have appalled the Pharisees hearing that story. Because the Pharisees would identify much more with the other brother who actually at that moment despised the kindness of his father towards his brother. Don't be like that other son 
who despise the Father's kindness. And don't presume God will always be kind. His patience will run out, and you don't know when. His long fuse does have an end. So don't be presumptuous by keeping on in sin, like there won't be consequences. Pray like David in Psalm 19. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. I think that's a great prayer as we come to our time of communion, our time of self-reflection. Communion that we're going to celebrate here is only for the followers of the Lord, those who are repentant, those who are penitent. It's not for those who are presumptuous. If you're not sure if your life is right with the Lord Jesus, I I would encourage you in this time to, to not partake in this time, to talk with one of us maybe up front afterwards so you understand what this is all about. But if you are repentant or if there's sins that you can even deal and make right between you and the Lord, there may be things you need to make right with others that are even more important than partaking now. But if you are repentant, if you are falling short of God's glory but continuing to strive to follow him and his kindness, I think it's good to think of this cup as a cup of kindness. That's what one of the songs says that can satisfy the thirsty without price will take a cup of kindness yet all glory be to Christ let's pray our gracious Lord and Savior our sweet and kind master We thank you that you have helped us to behold your kindness as well as your severity, your grace as well as your wrath. But Lord, help us not to treat lightly any truth about you, but especially this truth of your kindness and your patience. Help us now in this time, if there are presumptuous sins in our life, that we would be those who are led to repentance because of your kindness, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.